Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about, well, here in America, we're celebrating a fictitious holiday called Thanksgiving, and since Americans will be forced to spend time with weird family, here's some stories to talk about around the dinner table. How's that for an intro? But first, as always, we have shout-outs. Shout-outs go out to the patrons. Please don't skip ahead. These people are what pays for this show to happen. So you should be thanking them. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. Thanking them. See, there's a theme here. Why don't we thank them all with shout-outs going out to Richard Powdrell, Logan, Charles, Lori, Alec, Roger, Adam, Karen, Ethan, Duran, Nikki Love, James, Lori, Alicia, Rebecca, and Stephen Cher, Jane Ed, Jennifer, Heather G, your spooky neighborhood skinwalker, Zuzus, what's it, Nico Cher and the Mouse, Mark and Tina, Tortuga, Mike from Jersey, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy, Virginia Mailman, Tony the Magician, Jason, Vicky Crow, Clay, Buzz, Tom, Lobita Works, Glacier, Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Kelly, Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic, Robot, Webcomics, Sandy, Paige, Couch, Bentman, 666, Andrew, Scott A, Andrea, Melody, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Becca, Jake, Charlotte, and the Beasties, Jen, Elizabeth, Sherry, Art Muffin, Tim, Kenneth, Ricky, Alexandra, George, Zozo the Demon, Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Russell, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Paula, Jerry, Jeff T, Joe, Lawrence, The Lawrence Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi, and happy Thanksgiving. Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Ryan loves Malena, Jade, Nanashi, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson. Jamie just sent me a photo of Snoopy and Woodstock eating a turkey. Woodstock is a bird eating a bird. What a horrific image she sent me for Thanksgiving. Dan, Laura Pitts, and GamerFan with two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and to my boy Stitch. All righty, let's get right on into paranormal news because, well, it's Thanksgiving. It's actually Thanksgiving morning, and I got stuff to do, so let's get right on into this. That's right, the first story in paranormal news is U.S. on the verge of catastrophic UFO leak? What we know. A retired U.S. Colonel, Army colonel has said continuing to hide information about UFOs could have catastrophic consequences for America. Amid new claims, the government officials agreed to hold back top-secret research 20 years ago. Yeah, big surprise there. Colonel Carl E. Nell called on a Stanford University conference for a campaign plan that would force greater transparency and a Manhattan Project to reverse-engineer recovered UFOs or unidentified anomalous phenomena. Washington insiders also heard about how in 2004, a CIA think tank, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and the Pentagon broadly agreed that information about UFOs should not be declassified, deeming the societal risks too great. The hell are you talking about societal risks? All right, come here, Rum. Come up here. No? Oh, you got to wait. Uh, based on the first symposium of the Soul Foundation, a nonprofit calling for serious, well-funded, and cutting-edge academic research into the nature of unidentified aerial phenomena and their broad cosmological and political implications. Whew, that's a sentence and a half. The event on Saturday heard from Colonel Nell, a former CIA scientist, Hal Puthoff. Sure. Puthoff? Puthoff? I don't know. Made the allegations about the 2004 think tank discussions which he said had erred towards not disclosing UFO research details to the public. Come here, Rum. Hi, sweetheart. Hi. That's right. 
Thanksgiving Day episode. We'll eat dinner. We'll have Thanksgiving later. Don't worry. All righty. Uh, slides presented by Colonel Nell and published uh, showed Nell's hopes that the disclosure about UAPs would be achieved by October 1st, 2030, admitting there was risk that his timeline targets could fall behind. That sucks. We got to wait another seven years, six, a little over six years, maybe, until they might start declassifying stuff. They're pushing back again and again. It's ridiculous. In the slides, he argued that if the plan was achieved, we'd see proper oversight restored, catastrophic disclosure avoid, and scientific understanding advanced. Uh, Nell advocated for restoration of proper federal, federal government oversight over all UAP legacy and ongoing programs, efforts, and transformative research and technology programs. Oh, boy, this is a wordy article. Um, Pentagon spokesperson Sue Gauff has said, however, that there is it has no information that any individual has been harmed or killed as a result of providing information about UFO objects. Well, that's a laugh. Uh, she added that the Pentagon has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession of reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. Kurt here, which is exactly the opposite of what we found out during the House committee. So the left hand is not talking to the right hand or is trying to cover up what the right hand just said. It's ridiculous. Um... That's about it for this article. It's a very wordy article, but uh, it just it just angers me that, again, it sounds like we're going to have to wait yet again for the government to decide if we're ready to hear about UFOs. Guess what? Society is ready to hear about UFOs. Society already says UFOs are real. Stop saying it's going to have catastrophic collapse of society. No, it's not. The last time the, the government said... Yep, we have UFOs and we have recovered, crashed UFOs. Everybody went, all right, and barely made a blip in the news. Let's get this out there. Let's be done with this. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, India scrambles fighter jets to investigate UFO sighting as airport halts flights. Uh, jets equipped with advanced sensors couldn't find UFO as evidence as airport ops grounded for hours. This uh, past Sunday, India's Air Force scrambled two fighter jets to investigate the sighting of an unidentified flying object near an airport. An alert was issued by security forces after the UFO was reported from the northeastern state of Manipur about 2.30 p.m. local time. The Indian Air Force also halted operation, flight operations at state capital Impal's International Airport for several hours. The object was, quote, visible with bare eyes. IAF activated its air defense response mechanism based on visual inputs from Impal Airport. The small object was not seen thereafter. Indian authorities have not revealed specific details of their investigation about the UFO sighting, but a video on social media showed a small white dot on the skyline near the airport. Interesting. So they could see it, but it just took off or disappeared. Yeah, that seems about right. Up next in paranormal news... Oh, don't you cover me up with, there we go. UFO whistleblower David Grouch hints, okay, go away. Why won't you show, stop showing me this. Here we go. UFO whistleblower David Grouch hints to Joe Rogan that Obama told him aliens exist. Now you really have to read into what he said. It's not worth listening to that episode or Joe Rogan ever, in my personal opinion. But um, he did say... That, uh, let's see, where is the actual thing? We are not alone. I know with 100% certainty, I talk to the highest of the high people you could possibly talk to if you catch my drift. The phenomenon is real. It's been going on for thousands of years. There, I saved you a whole bunch of time. Um, yeah, all right, that's cool. I wish I could tell you a little bit more about, like, if he would have said Obama told me that, I would have more, been more inclined to read you that entire article because that's impressive, but he didn't. He said the highest of the high, if you know, if you catch my drift. Now, nah, just say it, man. The Manipur UFO sighting, all we know so far about the unidentified object, isn't much. Um, it's, here we go. Here's all they know. An official released, received a message from the Central Industrial 
Security Force, CISF, at 2.30 p.m. about sightings of a UFO near the airport. The official told PTI the UFO was visible with bare eyes moving westward of the airfield until 4 p.m. Among the diverted flights was the Kolkata to Impal Indigo Airlines, uh, Airlines flight, which was sent to another air, airline or another airport after a 25-minute holdup. Delayed flights were, however, held up for at least three hours amid the UFO sighting. So, again, not a lot that they know about, but a lot of people are reporting about it, and I think that's cool. We need more and more people to keep reporting it. Up next in Paranormal News, did I really see what I thought I did? Harrisonburg Man shares UFO sightings. That's right, Harrisonburg, Virginia, while driving in Harrisonburg on Sunday evening, one man said he saw three objects in the sky that caused him to stop driving and pull his car over. After reaching out to WHSV to see if anyone else saw the same thing, he shared his story. The sighting happened around 5.15 p.m. on Sunday, November 19th, and Lauren had just left the Valley View Mall area and was on the Neff, uh, Neff Avenue heading towards Port Republic Road. As he was driving, he looked up and saw something caught and said something caught his eye. It looked like it might be a plane, but a very large plane. I rolled my window down and it wasn't making any sound. I had noticed it had a fuzzy reddish outline. It looked like a rocket because it was almost going straight up. Uh, let's see. I saw what I thought might be a traditional plane and there was a colorful object below it. I decided to quickly take a, a photo before they disappeared. After about five to ten seconds, I was able to stop. Come here. Come up. Come up. Come up. There you go. Hi, hi Rum. Uh, I was able to stop and get my cell phone out, and both objects were gone. It was definitely a silvery plane-shaped or tube-shaped object, and there was something below it. They looked into it, and no one could say what he what, what it was that he saw. There was no flights in the area. The Shenandoah Valley has had a long history of UFO sightings. It was even the site of an investigation by the U.S. Air Force after a UFO reportedly landed near Fisherville in 1964. Huh, interesting. I'll have to look up that Fisherville one because I don't recall ever talking about it. Up next in paranormal news, West Yorkshire police overwhelmed by UFO reports as a woman beamed into the sky. That's a headline. A Freedom of Information request submitted to the force revealed that in, since 2020, it has logged 1,805 cases in which the words UFO, alien, UAP, or spaceship appeared in the records. The figures average at 56 a month or almost two a day. West Yorkshire, which includes Leeds and Bradford, has long been well-known to have a hive of UFO sightings, although it failed to top the table in the most recent sightings from London. All right, well, I don't care about that. The most recent Freedom of, Freedom of Information Act, submitted by the UFO Truth Magazine editor Gary Heseltine from Featherston in West Yorkshire, was refused on the basis that it would cause too much to sift through and retrieve the information. In its official response, the force said, unfortunately... West Yorkshire police are unable to provide you with the information you requested. It is estimated that the cost of providing and locating the information you seek within your request would exceed the time threshold. When a reasonable estimate has been made, the appropriate limit would be exceeded. There are no requirements for a public authority to undertake the work. The legal limit for costs of a Freedom of Information Act is currently set at 450 pounds. They, they said it would... The police estimated that at approximately two minutes per record, the research required would take more than 60 hours. Uh, where's the woman? I want to get to the woman getting zapped up. What the hell? Where's the woman getting zapped up? Why you put that in the headline? There is nothing in this article about a woman getting zapped up. Of the nine, oh, here we go. Of the nine sightings disclosed, reports included a woman who said she was abducted by aliens, a man who said aliens had put drugs in his eyes, a woman alleged to have been attacked by aliens, and numerous reports of lights in the sky. There you go. That's great headline, not a great follow-through. All righty, up next in Paranormal News. Let's do a Nessie story, shall we? That's right. Loch Ness Monster, not a monster. DNA revealed? Mysterious blob monster origins detailed in study. The anatomy of Nessie may be closer to Swamp Thing than Godzilla. Apparently, Nessie is made of algae, according to DNA samples taken from the waters of Scotland's Borland Bay where the deep sea beast supposedly prowls and has been allegedly spotted in the past in one of the largest investigations of the elusive creature in more than a half a century. Search volunteers, Mary Wiles, Aga Balinska, swear they got a glimpse of the two humps and some sort of third appendage, but what they believe to be ahead, in the water during early morning swim in August. The, the, share, the pair shared their footage with the research group Loch Ness Exploration. Yeah, okay, come on, get me to the thing. 
Yep, we know Nessie's been spotted numerous times throughout the years. Here we go. The latest bizarre sighting prompted a collection of water samples for environmental DNA or organismal, not orgasmal, that's different DNA, organismal DNA shed by organisms by the way of skin or excrement, a method used to detect prevalence of aquatic species without disturbing them. The ability is now to make use of the the new eDNA sample. Um, It presents an exciting step forward for wildlife researchers and may help us find answers to what some of the most fascinating and puzzling mysteries of the natural world. Lab results show two different kinds of algae. Okay. Uh, Samples sent from... um, Sent for analysis to the Boulder, Colorado lab, Jonah Ventures. What? From the Venture Brothers? Uh, it showed only the presence of two types of algae and nothing more. The test only detected algae, which of course is exciting news if we consider the possibility that Nessie is a giant algae blob monster. He's not. Stop that. Nessie is not algae. All right, I'm, that, that one angered me. Moving on. Up next in Paranormal News. It's not paranormal, but it's a story that as if you've listened to this podcast for very long, you know, this is a story that has intrigued me since the day it happened. Well, not since the day it happened, but since I was old enough to find out about the day it happened. I'm talking about JFK's assassination. For 60 years, JFK's assassination haunted Rob Reiner. Yeah, that Rob Reiner. Now he thinks he solved it. That's interesting. The director, Rob Reiner, thinks he knows what happened. In the 10-episode podcast, Who Killed JFK? He and journalist Soledad O'Brien are going to tell that story. That is cool. Look, I've never thought that Oswald acted alone. I always thought that the Warren Commission was bullshit that was just done to try and appease the American people or the people of the world, really. But uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas on November 22nd. That's right, yesterday, November 22nd, back in 1963. If you really look into this, independently look into this, you are not going to walk away going, oh yeah, Oswald acted alone. There is bullet fragments that hit the ground and hit a guy named um, Joseph Tag, Tag, something like that. Um, He... They they pulled they they saw where the bullet landed in the ground. It did not come in the direction of the Texas School Book Depository. Also, there was a bullet hole in the windshield. You can actually see photographs of the bullet hole in the windshield of the limousine that could not have happened at the angle that Ro- that Oswald shot Kennedy and Connolly. Could not have happened. There's also a dent in the chrome, the chrome trim above the windshield from possibly another bullet. They said, oh, no, that, that damage happened the day before and uh, the, the limo got to Dallas. That's not true. You can actually see photos of the limo the day before it got to Dallas. That trim was perfect. It was not bent. It was not dented in. So there is way more to the story. And Rob Reiner thinks he's going to he's figured it out. He tells a story of how he heard about it on that day. Um, he says, uh, until the Warren Commission report came out and, and people started finding fault with it, saying maybe this this isn't the true story here. Yeah, I agree. Six decades later, Reiner says he hasn't lost his fascination with what really happened in Daly Plaza as Kennedy's open car passed through downtown Dallas. But now Reiner thinks he knows what happened in the 10-episode podcast, Who Killed JFK from My Heart Podcast. He and journalist Soledad O'Brien are telling that story. It's important that we, the people, know the truth of what happened because we're now in a weird time in our country where disinformation just flies out. It, it's hard to get a handle on the truth. We're more divided than we ever were. That's very true. To me, dem- democracy is now in a really tough place, and if it's going to survive, it has to be based on truth. All those things that came together for me as to why I wanted to tell this story. It's the greatest murder mystery in the history of America, so we're going to try and solve a murder. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I said, if you listen to this podcast, I did... I. I told a story about how when I was working back in the day at MySpace, I went to Dallas for the National Center for Missing Exploited Children Conference. Um, had to do with my job. You can listen to the episode. But I met a man there who was a police officer the day, right there in Dallas, the day Kennedy was killed. That man who was actually there said, in no uncertain terms, he said, there was somebody at the grassy knoll. there was somebody there that shot Kennedy. He thinks, and I do too, yeah, Oswald got a couple of shots off. Might have been the shot that went through Kennedy's, like, shoulder or back or whatever. 
That one might have come from Oswald. But the big shot, if you watch the Zapruder film, right, as they pass the sign, the big explosion of basically Kennedy's head, that did not come from the direction of Oswald. It came from the direction of the grassy knoll. And that angle would account for the bullet hole in the windshield, the dent above the, above the trim, above the windshield. It accounts for everything. It counts for the bullet in the ground that was found by a police officer. A woman said, hey, look, there's a little like, she said it, said it looked like a little like a groundhog kind of like trail in the ground. And, the, and she called a police officer over and said, no, that's, the, that's a bullet direction. So they found the actual bullet by a manhole cover. Again, not in the direction that Oswald was shooting. That bullet has since gone missing, almost immediately went missing. People, when they looked at the uh, the limo, when it arrived at the hospital and they got Kennedy out of the, the limo, it was just kind of sitting there, sadly, with a lot of Kennedy still left inside. Uh, people said that they looked at the bullet hole in the windshield. They said, you could have put a pencil through it. There is way more to the story is what I'm saying. You can go back and listen to that episode. Find the episode where I talk about it. It was, re- it was absolutely incredible. That officer, um, he worked for that same conference. He had since retired, but uh, he said that the Secret Service came and took his notepad away, took evidence away, a cigarette butt, photograph of the, the footprints at the grassy knoll, basically said, you know, we got this cover. We, we're, we're taking over. You don't know anything. He, he took me to the school book depository. I got to, st- I got to sit exactly where Oswald was sitting. And there is no reason for Oswald to wait. Kennedy was coming towards Oswald, then turned to the the car, the way the car was going, turned to the left to Oswald's right and started to drive away before Oswald took the first shot. He had a much cleaner shot straight ahead. There was actually a tree between him and Kennedy, and he waited till to shoot in that direction. It made absolutely no sense. He then took me to where um where Oswald was killed. And he said how stupid that was. And when you really see it in person, you go, why would they have done this? Like, yeah, Jack Ruby knew a lot of the police officers and, you know, got away with a lot of stuff. Um, But why would they wait for Oswald to be right there? Why would they take Oswald right there? They could have easily pulled in the truck that was going to take Oswald away, the, the armored car. They could have pulled it way farther in. The, the uh, press could have still seen Oswald and they would have got him into the car and gone. So there's, a, there's so much more to this story. I'm so excited to listen to this um, Reiner episode, this Reiner podcast, I should say. Um, but the article goes on to say um, that, you know, he was uh, the first time he ever saw this Bruder film when that was um, put on air and, you know, blew people's minds. So he, he says he's not going to spoil who killed Kennedy. He says, uh, he's, he'll share a hint or two. He says, I'm very confident in the conspiracy part of it that I'm 100% confident on exactly who did what. We make our best guess based on all the information we have. We name the shooters, he says. We name the position the shooters were in. So I'm already, yep, I'm already on board. Some people say there were four. Others say five. I'm still wrestling with that. But based on the forensics, we know there were four. That's a bold statement. That's a really bold statement. I've never heard four shooters. I've heard theories that it was a Secret Service agent in the back, like in the car that was following the limo that accidentally shot off a, a automatic rifle. That doesn't hold any water. Doesn't hold any water at all. I've heard that it was the driver of the limo. No, that's been disproven so many times. I can see there being more than two shooters, Oswald, the grassy knoll, and maybe someone from the front. That would explain the windshield as well, but I don't know. I've never heard four, maybe maybe even five. He says, there's one more thing, a teaser of revelations to come. We say in the podcast for sure, there was somebody up on the sixth floor, and there were people, there was somebody firing from the sixth floor. I'm going to ask you this question. Why did the first... First shot miss. That's a key to what our theory is. That's all I'm going to tell you. But the first shot missed, it missed the motorcade altogether. And that is true. It, it did miss completely. Some people say it hit the tree that was between Oswald and Kennedy. I'm kind of on that theory. There was, there was damage to the tree. I could see that being the reason that that bullet went astray. And maybe that possibly, the bullet hit the tree, then hit the ground. And that's what hit uh, whatever his name is, Joseph Tagg. 
Um, it's weird also that there's so many people out there that know that, yeah, Kennedy got hit. Connolly got hit. You know, the magic bullet theory and all that jazz. Kennedy got hit. Connolly got hit. But there was a third person that got hit that day. Joseph Tag. I think that's his name. I should probably look that up before I continue on saying that same name over and over again. Um, but I'm almost confident that's his name. James Tag. Sorry, James Tag. I know everybody's screaming at me right now. It's James, not Joseph. Stop saying Joseph. James Tag. He received a minor wound to his right cheek caused by tiny pieces of either concrete, concrete debris or bullet fragments from a street curb. And there are photos that you can see online of the actual street curb. There's photos of where James Tag was standing at that time. Um, it's really, it's a really interesting thing. I cannot wait to hear this. I know I went off on a huge tangent on this one, but I absolutely love everything about, well, not everything about the Kennedy assassination. The, the assassination part was, was shitty, but um, I love everything about the mystery. I don't believe the official story, and I can't wait to listen to that podcast. All right, let's move on. Last story in paranormal news. Let's get into the podcast episode. North Carolina Museum features haunted dolls and other paranormal items. Cool. The Cryptozoology and Paranormal, paranormal Museum. Ah, Cryptozoology and Paranormal Museum in uh, North Carolina. It has a Mrs. Beasley, a doll believed to be haunted. Um, it has clown. There's also a clown whose eyes and mouth change in, in, in its reflection. It has the clown that gave night terrors its eyes and mouth move in the reflections. So, yeah, if you're in the area, go see. They've got um, dolls. They've got, well, they got a lot of dolls. Um, they got a lot of cool, crazy stuff at the Cryptozoology and Paranormal Museum in North Carolina. Um, yeah, and it also talks about, like, Bigfoot and Nessie and all that stuff. But that's okay. That about does it for Paranormal News. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. Whoa, what the hell is dedicated that? To the well-being. Whoa, I don't know where that even came from. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores with an S slash paranormal dash almanac and check out um, all of the paranormal merchandise that you can buy for this very show, Paranormal Almanac. They make great holiday gifts. They make uh, great gifts for yourself. Just Go buy one is what I'm saying. We'll be right back with more in just a minute. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not prepared. I took too long talking about Kennedy. Not prepared. We are back. And sure, we all know that Mothman, he's got a fantastic ass. But are there other Mothman-type creatures out there doing squats all day long to get a little of his spotlight that Mothman has? Well, let's find out, because on this week's edition, we're going to talk about other Mothman-type creatures. Are they a family? Are they relatives of Mothman? Do they all get together for Thanksgiving? These are questions that won't be answered on this episode. But for this first one, let's go all the way back to... November 16th, 1963, which I got to say is weird because this story, this first story on this edition, November 16th, 1963, well, Mothman's first sighting was November 15th, 1966, almost three years later to the day. Does that, does that mean anything? Well, kind of, because it the creature that I'm about to talk about looks a hell of a lot like Mothman, and maybe it just moved from Kent to Virginia. Well, I don't know. November 16th, 1963, is when the world was introduced to the Bat Beast of Kent. As you probably can already guess by the name, it's a bat. It's a beast. And it was seen in Kent. It's all right there in the name, people. All right. Story time on that fateful day. 17-year-old John Flaxton. 18-year-old Mervyn Hutchinson. And then two, well, two other unnamed friends who I'm going to call Zozo and Pazuzu because you know what? If you don't give you, if you don't give your name and I can't find your name in any of the articles, I'm going to have some fun with it. Well, they're all walking good old Pazuzu and Zozo and Mervin and John. They're all walking home from a party on Sandling Road in the County of Kent when they said they saw a silent, glowing, orb-like object descending from the sky. So, 
Already, they're seeing a UFO, and that's pretty cool, but the Bat Beast was about to make its appearance. Moments after the UFO landed behind the trees, they noticed a shaking in the brush, and then something emerged from the brush. Yeah, it's the Bat Beast, but listen to how it emerged. They said, The Bat Beast waddled towards them. Yeah, they used the term waddle, which I gotta say is not too intimidating, but Sure, it's a big bat beast. They said it looked like a headless bat bat that was approximately five feet tall with large web feet and wings protruding from its back. Mervyn said later, it didn't seem to have any head. There were huge wings on its back, like bat wings. So, yeah, they all run away from the waddling headless bat thing and then ran straight to the police station. John said they went that uh, when the bat beast appeared... He felt cold all over, but nobody else had that feeling. Pazuzu and Zozo, they didn't say any of that. Um, the police made the, the report, but didn't believe the kids. They didn't even believe Zozo or Pazuzu. They didn't believe any of them. That, then, November 21st, same year, just a few days later, Keith Croucher said he too had seen an oddly shaped craft hovering over the local soccer field, not far from where the four had their encounter. Then, November 23rd, John McGoldrick. He decided the reports were too weird to be ignored, so he and his partner went down to the location where they found three quote-unquote footprints, each 24 inches long and nine inches across, deep, deep into the woods. He also stated they had stumbled upon an area where the weeds and plants had been flattened by something big and heavy. The press found out about the discovery, and on December 11th, a newsman accompanied John back to the scene where the reporter said they didn't see the beast or the UFO, but the thickets were still bathed in an eerie glow, which continued for some days before subsiding. The story went worldwide. It was reported in a bunch of newspapers, as well as a 1971 issue of Flying Saucer Review, under the title, The Saltwood Mystery, due to its proximity to that area. But the Bat Beast of Kent was never seen again. Maybe? Now, I say maybe because nearby, there was a creature called the Owl Man that has been seen since the 20s. And while it's not close, close, it's close enough that people wonder if the two creatures are maybe related. See? Mothman family. So, we move on to the next story. It's called the Owl Man of Mountain Wood. I always say road. Mountain Wood. Or the shittier name, the Death Raptor. Now it's been described as a gray, dark, brown-feathered, five- to six-foot-tall creature. Its feet are clawed with a hybrid owl-slash-human-like features and a wingspan of approximately 10 feet wide. It also lets off a loud hissing or maybe screeching sound, and its large eyes glow a fiery crimson red. Now for this first one, we go back to... 1926. It was, it was reported by the Cornish Echo newspaper that said that two boys had been chased by what was described as a very large and ferocious bird. Now, the boys managed to escape and took cover behind a large steel grating. Then, when the coast was clear, they kind of ran home. They told their parents what happened. Now, the next sighting that I could find happened in... April of 1976. Now, there are a bunch of grain of salt stories that don't have any dates or any details, or just kind of like creepypasta, total BS kind of stuff, so I'm skipping over them. So April 1976 is the next one where I'm like, okay, this is an interesting story. It has facts, it has dates, it has people. Uh, April 1976, June and Vicki Melling, age 9 and 12, and their family were on their Easter break in Mountain Smith when they saw a bird man hovering over the town hovering over the tower of the Maunen Old Church. Look, if it's not pronounced Maunen and it's actually like, you're pronouncing it wrong, it's pronounced Moon, I don't care. Uh, so the old church is really important because there's a lot of weird sightings throughout 100, of year, 100 years around the church from glowing orbs, UFOs, and now a bird man. They said they were so frightened by the incident, they cut the family holiday short by three days. The family drove to the local police station where the two girls were separated and asked to give testimony and draw what they saw. And, well, guess what? They basically drew and said the exact same thing. 
Kurt here. If you're going like, well, I want to see what they drew. It, it looks like a drawing of an owl man done by a nine or 12 year old. You can look up the owl man of Mountain Road or whatever, Mountain Wood, and you'll see the drawings. It's looks like an owl man. They did a good drawing. Uh, their father, Don Melling, gave a sketch that June had done to Tony Doc Shields. Oof. This dude, well, I was going to say batshit crazy, but I'll just say this dude is owl man crazy. You know, kind of keeping with the theme. Here's a small piece from his wiki page. That's right. Tony Doc Shields has a wiki page, but Paranormal Almanac does not. Someone get on that. Make a Paranormal Almanac wiki page, would you please? I don't want to be up, you know, upstaged by Tony Doc Shields. All right. This is from Tony Doc Shields wiki page. He began, quote, invoking the monsters with the aid of a coven of nude witches. His attempts to raise Morgaur, the Cornish sea monster, were covered by BBC TV, Fortean Times, local newspapers, and appeared in national newspapers such as The Reveal and The News of the World. At around the same time, he reported on sightings of the Owlman of Mountain. In 1977, he attained photos claimed to be that of the Loch Ness Monster, Kurt here, not a monster, which appeared on the front page of the Daily Mirror newspaper. This and his associated Monster Mind Experiment appeared in other media outlets, including the Daily Telegraph and Radio One's Newsbeat. More about him from another article. Doc Shields, if you're unfamiliar with him, um... You'll probably know him. I probably do. It says, is Britain's best-known surrealist, magician, illusionist, prankster, hoaxer, trickster figure, artist. Naked witches with sigils were photographed in wild various locations in Cornwall. And Owlman and Morgwar, Morgaur were repeatedly seen, quote-unquote, by people who knew nothing of Shields' surreal alchemy is what he called it. Meanwhile, Shields and his unusual family kept performing, and um, his art kept becoming. The news of the world and other rags did lurid stories about Shields and his family, and Shields himself wrote numerous fascinating columns for the Fortean Times, lots of books on magic, and the in- indispensable monstrum to be read with a pinch of salt, but with admiration for what he created. Every sighting of the Owlman wave of 1976 after these kids' first initial one. Like I said, the dad gave Shields one of her drawings. Every sighting of the Owlman wave of 1976 was reported directly to Shields. No third party has been able to verify any of the eyewitnesses or even talk to them. So whether one likes it or not, most of the information of Owlman comes from one source, Shields himself. July 3rd sighting of Sally Chapman and Barbara Perry and the sighting of Jane Greenwood the following day, as well as an August 2nd, 1978 sighting from three unnamed French girls, there is one similarity amongst these sightings. All right, so that's the story about him. But there is one thing about these sightings. I don't know if any of those, those sightings are real, but the real sightings that I can actually find there actually is a similarity amongst the sightings. They're all witnessed by girls roughly that same age going through puberty. While that doesn't necessarily make the sighting suspect, as some might have speculated, the Owlman is an apparition that is only visible to young girls, though. All right, that's interesting. I don't know if that's true. Um... Another similarity is their proximity to that church that I was talking about. That is true. Every, like I said, there's something weird with that church. There's something going on there. All sightings occurred within a few miles radius of the church, leading some to speculate that it lives in the church, or at very least near the church. Sure. Thanks, Doc. Let's keep on going to sightings that weren't connected to some hippie Doc and naked witches. By the way, don't Google image search hippie Doc and the naked witches. All right, the next sighting happened in 1978. At first, the witnesses thought that someone was playing a trick on them. They thought it was a person dressed in a costume, but when it flew up into the air, they realized it wasn't a costume, or possibly it was the best costume ever because it flew directly up into the air. That's a bitching costume. They described it as an abnormally large bird, silver gray in color, and there was a strange static noise coming from the trees for some times afterwards. Jumping ahead to 1989, it was seen in the woods again, Then, in 1995, it was seen by an American tourist 
She described the owl man as being at least five feet tall with huge claws emanating from its vast wings. But I can't tell you how old the American tourist was, so maybe it's not only visible to young girls is what I'm saying. The witness sent a letter, the American witness that is, sent a letter of her, about her experience to the then night editor of the Western Morning News, Simon Parker, at the end of the summer in 1995. It read, Dear Sir, I'm a student of marine biology at the Field Museum, Chicago, Field Museum, Chicago. On the last day of summer vacation in England, last Sunday evening, I had a most unique and frightening experience in the wooded area near the old church at Mountain Cornwall. I experienced what I can only describe as a vision from hell. Ooh, this letter took a turn. The time was 15 minutes after 9, more or less, and I was walking along a narrow track behind through the trees. It w- I was halted in my tracks about 30 meters ahead when I saw a, mis- a monstrous birdman thing. It was the size of a man with a ghastly face, a wide mouth, glowing eyes, and pointed ears. It had huge claw wings and was covered in feathers of silver-gray color. The thing had long bird legs, which terminated in large black claws. It saw me and rose, floating towards me. I just screamed and then turned and ran for my life. The whole experience was totally irrational and dreamlike. Friends tell me that there is a tradition of phantom owl man in that district. Now I know why. I have seen the phantom myself. Please don't publish my real name and address. This could adversely affect my career. Now I have to rethink my worldview entirely. Yours and sincerely, Scared Eyewitness. The next year, in 1996... A woman reported a ball of light floating above the church, but no owl man. Then in 2003, two teenage girls, oop, back to the teenage girls. Two teenage girls were listening to music in the church parking lot, parking lot late at night. They saw a glowing, pulsating globe of light hovering over the church. The girls said that the, they watched it for a while until it vanished. Then, the most recent sighting happened in September of 2009. A 12-year-old girl named Jessica Wilkins or Wilkinson's, depending where you get your um, information from, she said she saw the owl man and it appropriately scared the crap out of her. Then I found a grain of salt comment in an article about the owl man, but I thought it was kind of cool. When I was looking through all these online articles about the owl man, there was one that had, you know, leave your comment here. There was a bunch of comments basically like, oh, that's a neat story, that's cool. And then there was this comment. My wife saw the owl man with her friend while driving through Mountain in the middle of the road, bigger than the bonnet of her car, red glowing eyes, huge owl-like thing. This was in 2008, roughly, and we only just heard about this owl man on Facebook, so no prior basis, or no prior bias. Interesting. So, is it Mothman? And Mothman was just like, I don't like being called the Bat Beast of Kent and flew to America. Or maybe he was in America just on like a, a vacation. Maybe he lives in Kent and just flew over there. I don't know. But this next one on this edition. Well, how do I introduce this one? Sure, Mothman may have a great ass. But this next one called the Popobawa, well, it has... Uh, it has a great penis. That's right. Mothman, great ass. Popobawa, great big penis. Yeah, I have a degree in cryptozoology, so I can say that professionally. Also, the Illuminati said I can talk about cryptid dick all I want. So if you don't like it, you can contact them. Um, look, every every person that talks about the Popobawa talks about the fact that it has just got a hog, just a massive hog. So uh, for this one, we go back to the 60s. On the islands off the coast of Tanzania, where people have talked about being attacked by a mysterious creature called the Popobawa, which, and here's why, here's where I get my source information about the dick. The Popobawa is a shapeshifter often described as having an enormous penis. So next time you want to say, like, hung like a horse, I recommend saying hung like a Popobawa. Also, this, this one right here, the Popobawa, that's your fun fact to share at Thanksgiving table this year. Hey, hey, Grandma, pass the yams. Also, did you know there's a cryptid called the Popobawa that has a huge dick? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Alrighty, so the uh, Popobawa, which translates literally as batwing, which I would love to know what the translation for giant dick is in that language, but it doesn't matter. Uh, batwing is the name of an evil spirit or shintani, shitani, 
which is believed by residents of Zanzibar to have first appeared to the Tanzanian island of Pemba, were attacked were attacked at night. Uh, every every night it was attacking at night, and it attacks men, women, and children. It's going to get bad. I'm warning you now. This story is about to turn. Um, it's said that it may attack all the members of a household, either a poltergeist-like attack with sulfur smell, or a physical attack, or, here's your warning, or the Popobawa anally rapes everyone in the house before, in, before going on to another house in the neighborhood. Wow. Uh, it is said that both men and women have been, let's just call it anal probe by the Popobawa. It gets even worse. Victims of the Popobawa are often urged to tell others that they have been assaulted or they may be threatened with repeat visits by the Popobawa and its anal probing if they do not. Oh, this thing's messed up. Um, it said the Popobawa will visit you again, staying longer and attacking you more violently, anal probally, on each subsequent visit if you don't tell others about your anal probe. This thing's got a weird kink. It's also particularly fond of attacking Popobawa non-believers. So you gotta believe, people. Clap your ass cheeks together if you believe. What? A very, very, very bizarre creature. Um, here's a quick article about the Popobawa. I don't think I'm going to read it all, but um, in February of 1995, during the holy month of Ramadan, a collective panic caused by the presumed presence of a shape-shifting spirit took hold of the island of Zanzibar. In local folklore, the Popobawa, or Batwing in Swahili, is an evil spirit that descends on people in the night and casts a harmful shadow. It's said to enter rooms where people are sleeping to carry out acts of violence on innocent victims. Uh, people who were reported being visited by the Popobawa recall frightening apparitions preceded by an unpleasant smell. While under the influence of the spirit, they were in a state of lucid wakefulness but unable to move their limbs, a type of sleep paralysis and out-of-body experience. The harm inflicted by the Popobawa ranged from suffocation to anal rape of men and women, according to those who have reported encounters. The spirit would also force the victims to report what happened to them to their village community, threatening to come back if they didn't obey. Oof. Um, there have been incidents of the Popobawa panic on Zanzibar and neighboring Pema Island before, uh, but the outbreak of the communal panic in the 1990s was the biggest one since 1995. Only a couple bouts of Popobawa have been reported in 2000 and in 2007. They think it might go all the way back to the 19th century. It just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. What a messed up cryptid. Not one of my favorite cryptids. In fact, if they have a Popobawa patch, I don't even think I'd put it on my jacket. Yeah, I said it, Popobawa. I'm looking for a Popobawa patch as I say this. Oh, they do have Popobawa patches. They're kind of cool looking. But still, I can't I can't do some... Oh, my God. <laughs> If you type in Popobawa patch and then Google image search it, there is a very well-endowed drawing of the Popobawa. So he's got a big dick. They weren't lying. All righty. For, um, for this less rapey Mothman relative, uh, let's go to Germany for the next one, to the Freiburg Schrieker. I don't think it's Freiburg. I think it's Freiburg. There's a lot of people online that say Freiburg, but I'm going with Freiburg. It's a quick one. With only one sighting, we go back to 1978, September of 1978 to be exact, for this one, when miners turned up, miners like people in a coal mine, not like kids, when miners turned up for a typical day at the unnamed mine, when they discovered a black-winged creature blocking the entrance, which is odd because they didn't leave a black-winged creature at the entrance to the unnamed mine when they left work the day before, but for some reason in this story, the miners go, weird. There's a ginormous black-winged creature that's blocking the entrance to our work. Hmm. Let's just walk towards it. So they all start walking towards the black-winged creature blocking the unnamed mind, but when they did it, let out a loud scream. A shriek, you might say. They felt as though it was warning them off, so they decided to not go into the unnamed mine, and they ran away to a safe distance. 
Uh, the bat thing is just standing there, blocking the, the mine, shrieking its head off. And they waited an hour to see if it would just fly away when all of a sudden, a huge explosion was heard deep in the mines. The very mines they should have been working in. Turns out, the shriekers saved their lives. Look, let me just say, I looked into this thing a lot. There are no names. There are no news stories. There's no real info about this one. And I wanted to discount this one entirely, especially when I searched for mine accidents in Germany in 1978. And when you know it, I couldn't find any. That's right. Cool story, but I can't find any record of a mine explosion in the Freiburg area, the Freiburg area, whatever area in Germany during September of 1978. I even went to the trouble of searching in German. So I'm going to say until a miner that was there that day comes forward with proof that they worked in this mine in 1978 and saw the shrieker, I am not going to believe this one. So we're going to move on to the last Mothman relative on this list. It's another short one, a really short one. It's the China's Man Dragon. We go back to January 19th, 1926, when the Man Dragon was seen by several people in the region of the, oh, I forgot to look this up, Shanti Dam in China. Sure, right. It's a dam. Basically, it's Jianti Dam. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, the dam suffered a massive structure failure and collapsed, sending over 40 billion gallons of water down into the farming villages below. Legends say, and I say legend because, again, facts are hard to find for this one, but legends say several villages were entirely destroyed when the water finally drained and the death toll was estimated to be over 15,000 people. So, they saw the mandragon over the dam. Right afterwards, the dam blows or whatever, and then 40 billion gallons of water go raining down into the farming villages, killing 15,000 people. So I guess much like Mothman, uh, the, the man-dragon didn't really do a lot to stop the disaster from happening. How about letting out a shriek like the German one? Or how about you have a huge... Uh, actually, don't do anything the Tanzanian one did. Um, yeah, so that's all there is about the Mandragon. I was trying to find out more information. There's really no information about it. It should have been written about. It was 1926. It does seem like there might have been a dam incident that happened, but I couldn't find out anything about when all of a sudden the Mandragon popped into the story. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Let's stop there for right now. Which Mothman relative would you like to see? Do you... Is it, hopefully it's not the Tanzanian one. Um, which do you believe is real? Do you think any of these are real? Do you think that the uh, Tanzanian one is a grower, not a shower? Um, I don't know. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samming, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Uh, bring the work, man. Farm, get, get.